When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Hello and welcome to the Keeper Cup podcast. I'm Chad Young, joined as always by Pete Ball, and we are on to episode number 104. And as we we look at our jersey numbers, uh, there's some big names. Number four is a uh, there's, there's some there's a couple legit guys right at the top here. Although I'm already annoyed with you because in our <laughs> notes you were like Rogers Hornsby, who he wore four for part of his career. He's probably the best player to ever wear the number, although he didn't wear it that often. And then you put Lou Gehrig, who is, at least for me, the player historically who I associate that number with. Right? He is the he is the guy who like four sure. belongs to Lou Gehrig. For then sure. you put a third name <laughs> that just has no business being on here. What? Of course he should be there. Granted, it's not baseball, but Adam Vinatieri is a Patriots legend. He helped Brady secure his first three rings. Sure, many would follow, but uh, Vinatieri will always be close to my heart. Yeah, he, he's not a baseball player. He's barely even a football player. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you're a kicker, if you play for like 22 seasons, then, you know, OK, you were a football player. I do player. think I, I do get in this debate sometimes where like I, I tend to be a believer that relief pitchers should have an extremely, extremely high Hall of Fame standard. And people are like, well, what about kickers and punters? I'm like, kickers and punters, like that's a skill and they are the best at what they do. Relief pitchers are just, you know, mediocre pitchers who happen to be the best at being relievers because they weren't good enough to be starters. And that's not always true. But I, I do. So I will give Vinatieri that like being a, a legitimately great kicker in the NFL, you're actually one of the best kickers, whereas being a legitimately great relief pitcher might just mean you're a bad starting pitcher. That might be all it means. I will say I, I do prefer Steven Guskowski. How's that? That's fine. Yeah. I have I have no opinion whatsoever on historical Patriots kickers. He I can't imagine a thing I'm less interested coat. in. He complimented my he complimented sports coat at the uh, yeah at the Patriots <laughs> gala, which I had no business being at. I don't even know how I was there, but uh, yeah. So that's nice of him. Was it like Good a Patriots special sports coat? Uh, no, just you know, it's a uh, it's kind of like an old timey looking one. Got a little plaid action going on there, and Guskowski uh, was was feeling it. So yeah, nice. Well, there you go. You are. <laughs> I'm in with Patriots kickers, man. Your All sense in. of style has been validated <laughs> by, by kickers. they would know NFL kicker, <laughs> who I'm I'm sure is just an expert in that kind of stuff. So. Hey, he's a he's a he was a classy dress guy, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, there are there are some other fun number fours out there in history. I think, like, I mean, the, the one that obviously comes to mind for me right this minute is Yadier Molina, right? I mean, just retired and and wore that number for ever and ever and ever. Um, interestingly, like Hornsby, who we talked about, wore for for a few seasons, including with the Cardinals. Um, 
didn't get like his numbers retired by the Cardinals, but it's not a number. Cause I guess for years he didn't wear a number with them or something, but like four wasn't retired because of that. And it's, it's going to be now, right? Obviously that's like no other Cardinal will ever wear that number. So that he comes to mind, Paul Molitor, another from my, my lifetime that, that stands out. So there's some, there's some fun number fours out there. The single digits will continue to generate some some real Hall of Fame talent always, there. Always, yeah. So, moving on from jersey numbers, we got a, a handful of things we want to talk about today. Um, the the sort of the topic of the show, which is always the last thing we get to. I feel like we were like, this is the topic of the show. Come back in thirty minutes to hear about it. <laughs> but that is what it is. The topic of the show today was inspired by a tweet that came to us yesterday, today. Recently, I gotta see if I can pull it up again. But I got a tweet from uh, at Jeff Bunch of Numbers who has tweeted us before, big asking about big fan of the show. Seems to be, anyways. Uh, I hope he's a big fan of the show. If not, he's just like trolling us with all these questions, which is, I guess, <laughs> possible. But he, he tweeted at us with underperformers and injured players now being dropped. Who do you like? And he gave us a list of guys. We'll come back to this tweet later and talk about the list of guys. But it did sort of inspire for me this like, well, who else is being dropped? Like, who are guys who are being cut in leagues that you should be paying attention to? And so we did poke around at guys who have been cut in at least a quarter of auto new leagues. And my sense on this is if they're being cut in a quarter of auto new leagues, if you've got a 40 man roster and you still can't find room for this dude in a quarter of leagues, then in your, your more standard keeper leagues, these guys are, are likely available um, or have been at some point in the last month or so, even if they're not right now, they might be in a few weeks. So we'll talk about some of those guys who you might want to pick up but before we get to that. I mean, Pete, you have been, you've been busy on the trade market, just everywhere, all of our leagues. Buying, selling, doing a little bit of everything. I was on a long yeah. bus ride to and from New York City. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I did some managing there. Yeah, and then I reached out to you and was like, hey, I want to talk about trade. And you're like, those guys are too expensive. I'm not trading them to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But I did, didn't mean it that way. That Aaron Judge <laughs> and Pete Alonzo in Listener League 2 are 100% available. I'm just... I'm really in denial about the fact that I'm selling. And I looked at my record again and I'm like, man, it would be nice to just see what I have with Trout, Alonzo and Judge all healthy and all hitting at the same time. Like if I can just see it, then maybe I'll change my mind. Yeah. Well, let's take a look at some of these trades in the last week. So I think it was right before we recorded last time you traded in the podcast league to get Luis Castillo at $28. You gave up Taj Bradley and Joey Weimer. Joey Weimer, by the way, uh, is a name that will come up at the end of the show. Those guys who's being dropped maybe more than they should be. He's a guy I'm interested in. But um, see, so we talked about that a little bit last week. Shortly after that, I traded away Harold Ramirez and AJ Smith Shaver to get Shane Bieber. So you and I are in a bit of an arms race, and you, you've upped the ante again just a, a couple days ago, trading away a $4 Edward Cabrera to get a $27. Justin Verlander and you know Verlander Verlander and Scherzer since they go hand in hand at this point are on the block in like every one of my leagues and every time I'm like oh I could really use some pitching I'm like wow those guys are available and they've been awful 
So talk to me a little bit about acquiring Verlander. I mean, my guess is any team contending right now who needs pitching could probably trade for Verlander if they wanted to. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the big reason why I'm not ready to jump ship on Verlander is because the velocity is still there. And it's Justin Verlander. I mean, there's not a whole lot it else to go Verlander. on. Like the, the swing strike rate does not look good. He's not getting strikeouts. Um, the game log is a little bit weird because he's either pretty good or really terrible. Um, there, there hasn't been a whole lot of in between. But I don't know. Uh, it, he's the reigning Cy Young winner for what it's worth. He's a surefire Hall of Famer. The whip is stomachable at 1.22 and, and the velocity is still there, right? I mean, his yeah. fastball is averaging 94.4. Granted, last year's at 95. Okay, fine. The sliders lost 0.2 miles an hour. Um, the curveball's up 0.1 mile. Like, I, it seems like nothing's changed from last season. It's normal for guys, even when they're, you know, 40, 50 years old, whatever Justin Verlander is, uh, to <laughs> after signing a massive contract to start off a little bit slow. Um, so I, I thought it was a good buy low opportunity. Edward Cabrera, I love, but the control issues are there. And this was accepted before he got hurt. Yeah. Obviously, this probably wouldn't have happened um, if it happened. I think, I think he got hurt as it was um, processing. So sorry, DVR, although I'm sure he wasn't purchasing Edward Cabrera for this season. Yeah. I, I mean, I understand you. I think where you're coming from on Verlander. And I also think it, it's worth noting. So Verlander has basically alternated good and bad starts this year. And here's here's what those starts have looked like. And I think it's worth looking at them individually because one thing that can happen over, what is it, eight starts and 45 innings is matchups and stuff can really mess with your numbers. And here's what Verlander's done so far. His first start of the season was May 4th. He was at Detroit. He was fine. Five innings, five strikeouts, one walk, two earned runs. You know, you'd, you'd hope for better against Detroit, but it was his first start of the year. Fine. Then he was at Cincinnati, which is a tough place to pitch. It was before Cincinnati had called up Ellie and everyone else and become the juggernaut they'd become. Struck out seven, walked two, gave up a run. Solid, solid start. Only two hits also in that one. So like, beautiful. Everything you want from him. Then he had to face Tampa and Tampa is just destroying everybody. And they destroyed him. He, he lasted five innings, which isn't too bad. Three strikeouts, two walks, six earned runs on eight hits, gave up a couple home runs in that. Then he got a pretty favorable matchup against Cleveland and went eight innings, giving up a run on three hits, only five strikeouts in eight innings, but Cleveland doesn't strike out a lot. It's, it's the one thing they do well offensively. You gotta have something we can do well offensively. And it's, <laughs> it's not striking out. Put a lot of weak balls into play. Yay. Um, but yeah, again, did what you'd expect him to do. Then he went to Colorado. And while Colorado was terrible, Coors is still Coors. And he gave up six runs and nine hits, two strikeouts and a walk and five innings. But again, it's Coors. Then pretty tough Toronto team. Six innings, eight strikeouts, three walks, run on five hits. Then a really tough Atlanta offense. And he gives up. Four earned runs, five total runs on seven hits and four walks in just three innings, striking out three. And that was real ugly. And like, you know, four earned runs in three innings, that'll that'll do a lot of damage really fast. Um, and then he faced the Yankees and six innings, six strikeouts, no walks, a run on three hits. So, you know, I I don't I'm not trying to suggest that he's like a matchup play now and you gotta be picking your matchups with him and stuff like that, but like don't start him at course. And maybe you do think about sitting him against an Atlanta, against a Tampa, against some of those like really top tier offenses. 
And if you had like if you had done that, if you had sat him at those three starts, his numbers for you would be excellent this year. Still elite. Now, there that that's a little that is a lot of hindsight cherry picking because if you're sitting him in Atlanta, are you sitting him against Toronto? Are you sitting him against uh, maybe not the Yankees? The Yankees, especially he just faced the Yankees this week without Judge. The Yankees without Judge or the Rockies oh. without Coors. <laughs> so, that offense wow. is not exciting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's the better than the Rockies without Coors, but marginally the Yankees. He faced the Yankees in City Field, not Yankee Stadium, without Aaron Judge. So you wouldn't have sat him there. You would have started him there. Fine. So you could make a case that like maybe you would have missed that Toronto start. But other than that, if you had just sort of sat him in the obvious bad starts, I think you would have been kind of okay and come away with some pretty good numbers. So again, that's that doesn't make... If you have an opportunity to trade for him, and like I'm looking at, you know, where in my leagues he's rostered right now. And, you know, there's a, in, in League One, he's on a contender. In League 13, he's for $19. But I bet, like, at $19, he's probably available. In the Food and Travel League, he's down to $11. At $11, maybe that manager's just like, forget it, I'll wait and see. But, like, if he's sitting in the $20, $25, $30 range and you can make an offer for him... I think I would. I think I think what you got getting him for Cabrera that was a that was a nice get. That was a nice move. I like that one. So that was one of your deals. You also, since I said that Verlander and Scherzer go hand in hand, you also were involved in a trade that saw a thirty-eight dollar Scherzer swapped for a one dollar Tanner Bybee. Now, in this case, I believe you were looking the other direction. You gave up. Scherzer to get Bybee. So is this a case where you think like, hey, Verlander's fine, but Scherzer's a mess and I want out? Or is this just I can get Tanner Bybee and I'm not competing? Yeah, no, it's it's I'm I'm pretty actually excited about Scherzer in the leagues that I have him in, but this is the keeper cut listener league where it just didn't go my way. Um, particularly in the pitching department. I already lost, you know, Robbie Ray for the season, Severino's been bad. I can't even remember the names I have. There's no need to get into it. The team's a disaster. Um, so I've been selling off pieces. Uh, like a ton. I sold off Matt Olson. I sold off Jose Ramirez, which we might get to. Um, and Scherzer was a big piece that I, I wanted to make sure I moved, right? Because jo- Jose Ramirez at $46 in this kind of format, I'd actually consider keeping him. I, but um, Max Scherzer, uh, he could go at any minute. So to get a $1 Tanner Bybee, it seemed like a perfect seller's move. I think the buyer's happy with it. The seller's happy with it. And uh, it just made sense. If you were Especially buying... $1. Yeah, if you were buying... Would you be on the other end of this? You're in a league. You're you're doing well. Top three spot. You've got a one dollar bybee. You could pick up a. Forget the price on Scherzer. It almost doesn't matter. Right? A Scherzer who's a cut because he is at that price. Mm-hmm. Are you are you into that? That's such a good question. I I feel like I'm a hypocrite if I say I'm not because in the podcasters league where I'm I'm looking for pitching, you know, where I got. Justin Verlander. I think yeah. if that came across, I would, but a one one dollar Bybee, like that's <laughs> that's tough because that means you got him, you know, when no one else was looking to get him, not like after he'd already got called up or was was tearing right. up early in the season. That's a that's a tough thing to pass up. But I think I would, yeah. I'm, I'm if I'm going for it, I'm going for it. Yeah. I think the challenge with Scherzer for me right now, unlike Verlander, is it's not just matchups. 
it's not like, you know, Verlander has been dominating teams you expect him to dominate, pitching decently most of the rest of the time and had a couple of stinkers against teams that sometimes he gets stinkers against. Scherzer in his, what does he have, 10 starts this year? He has 11 starts this year. Um, but like among his 10 most recent starts, like he got lit up at Milwaukee, gave up three home runs to the Brewers. Then he shut down the Padres for five innings. Then he shut down the Dodgers only for three innings. And then he missed a little bit of time, right? He came out of that start and missed a couple weeks, but it was looking good then. Then he came back and now maybe give him a little pass because he was just coming back, but he came back and got lit up by the Tigers. Then again, he missed like 10 days, came back and was fine against the Nats, pitched well against Cleveland, and then went to Coors and pitched well, and then faced Philadelphia and pitched well. And then got lit up by Atlanta and got lit up by, again, the judgeless Yankees. And so it's like tonight, though, was he? Did he did he pitch? So we're, we're recording this on Monday, the 19th. Um, a, a little known fact the- about me is that I don't look at I try not to look at stats for games like my, my fantasy stats. Basically, I don't look at till the games are done because I just like. Stuff changes. I don't even want to know like what my pitchers are doing because I'm like, oh, this guy's pitching great. And then I go look later and I'm like, he was pitching great until he gave up four home runs and five hitters in the eighth inning or something, right? And like, until I jinxed him, right? Yeah. So I just like, I just avoid it. It helps that I'm on the West Coast, right? Because the games, they end at like, you know, 10, 10, 30, and then I can go through. So I didn't even know. And actually, I don't have Scherzer anywhere. So, so I also didn't know that he was pitching today. But yeah, eight innings, eight strikeouts, one walk. He gave up. One run on four hits. That single run came on a homer by Yiner Diaz, who's been just on fire lately as the Jordano replacement, basically. Right. I mean, that's basically the role he's playing is, is DH there. So, um, yeah, he's been he looked he looked good against the tough Atlanta team. Again, though, the challenge or not tough, Atlanta, a tough Houston team. But in the challenges, he's been so bad against bad teams. It's like, uh how much do you trust him? Like looking at their schedule coming up, he'll miss the week the you know, the series the rest of this week. He'll come back this weekend when the Mets face the Mets are at Philadelphia. You feel good about starting Scherzer at Philadelphia this weekend? Uh yeah. He I shut mean, them down last Max, time. If I have Max Scherzer, I gotta I'm starting him. There's no yeah. I'm not gonna play matchups with him, especially because of what you said, but also I mean, yes, he's been frustrating. He has not lived up to the draft capital you paid to get him, but he's one good start away from getting that ERA south of four, which is definitely not where the bar is for Max Scherzer. But when you consider the big picture of the season and how we felt about him as a whole, I'd take an ERA under four at this point. Strikeouts are still there. He's still showing that he's awesome. 15 swings and misses tonight. So I think he's just working out the kinks. I think at the end of the year, we'll probably look at his final stat line and be like, yeah, that's Max Scherzer. Maybe, you know, instead of a second round pick, he should have been a fourth round pick, but he is still one of the best pitchers in the game. Um, It's just, it's all about staying on the field. And if he's on the mound healthy, I'm still in. Yeah, that makes sense. So another trade that you made for a guy who I think is more obviously a a buy if you're buying, uh, but you sold him if I am remembering correctly, right? This is Jose Ramirez. You moved him in our listener league. It was a $46 Jose Ramirez along with a $1 Bryce Elder that you gave up and you got back an $11 Tyler Glass now, 
I know how you feel about glass now. So I imagine you were pretty happy with this. Yeah, I was pretty pumped. I, I had got to the point where I was like, all right, I'm just going to keep Jose Ramirez. He's not going to get hit in arbitration. He'll still be a sub $50 player. Who's probably going to once again, be worth over $50. So like he, to, even though I'm selling, he was not like an automatic slam dunk. I need to get rid of him. Um, but obviously, I'd like to clear as much money as I can if I am going to rebuild an eleven dollar Tyler Glass. Now, like I mean, like you said it, Chad. You know how I feel about him. I, I still think he could be the best pitcher in baseball. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say, especially with Degrom now out for over a year, most likely. Um, the expected ERA looks a little bit scary, actually, uh, and and there's some stuff there. But he's still working out the kinks. He just got back. Um, I, I think he could easily be the best pitcher in baseball and uh, to get him for $11. Like, how did we let that happen? How was Tyler Glass now $11? I felt great about that. Bryce Elder, I guess uh, the other name there. I, 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 even though he was $1, he, he was more pressing to move than Jose Ramirez. Cause I think we're one like blow up, terrible outing away from Bryce Elder becoming immediately irrelevant. So I added him in the offer just to, kind of help out with losing Tyler Glass now. You know, that manager might be a little bit more likely to do if he's getting something back. Um, that's why I included him, and and I, I don't have strong feelings towards Bryce Elder. I don't know how he keeps getting away with it, but I don't think he will continue to get away with it. Yeah, that question of, like, continuing to get away with it, I mean, it, with pitchers and sort of continuing to get away with it, but I've been thinking about, like, who are some of the guys that I have been sitting on, I've been happy with, have been, you know, playing well for me that, I'm I'm worried about now and like just a couple of names that I think were, were pretty hot topics to start the season but like Brandon Marsh has been awful lately mm. um Josh Lowe who you and I both really like for the last almost month has a 47 WRC plus 47 227 253 267 slash line with zero home runs and nine stolen bases nine stolen bases in a month is pretty good yeah i was just gonna say he's got three steals in his last five games so hopefully hopefully something's getting going two hits in his last game let's let's get going josh yeah i mean he did he he was yesterday two for four had a run a stolen base an rbi the day before that he had four plate appearances and walked twice so I, you know, the, the hard thing with someone like Lowe, someone like Marsh, is figuring out if you are, are you getting out before the bottom falls out or are you selling at the floor of a guy who's going through an adjustment period, right? Like if you if you move Josh Lowe right now, is it, are, are you just hitting the, the bottom where he's about to start turning things back around because the league adjusts to him, he's adjusting back and now we're, we're going to see what he's capable of for real or like, is he just not that good? And maybe it's time to move on. And um, I'll be honest. I think I, I, I was there like two, three weeks ago with Marsh and I sort of failed to trade him anywhere. And I kind of think I'm going to end up cutting Brandon Marsh a bunch of places. Yeah, um, Marsh, I'm not um, there with low. I'm, I'm the same way. Uh, I think low has more of a minor league track record of like, immense success. I mean, I'd have to look at Brandon Marsh's minor league numbers again, but bottom line, Josh Lowe has been in a guy who's been on my radar for a while. I talked about him before the season started. I think he's still providing a a ton of speed. I mean, he's got to be on pace for 40 stolen bases this season. What bothers me with Lowe is he's the race. 
I can't stand this team. He's not an everyday player. And I think it's I think it's hurting him. Like I, I have nothing that would prove that. But the dude's on fire. Like he he's he's like a clear cut all-star, all this stuff through the first two months. And now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you're sitting back to back games or you're playing three days a week. And how like how is that possibly good for the player? And this is I guarantee you the Rays do not win the World Series this year. Put it on the board. It's just too much. Too much of this. Let the kid hit. I feel like that's such a like, uh, uh, that's an easy guarantee to make. Not because they're not like, Come take have a, they're not going to have a shot. But it's like, yeah, if you have a choice between like, the, if you're at this point in the season and someone's like, you could have this one team or every other team in baseball, just always take every other team in baseball. That's always the sure. right bet to make. But, but I hear Especially you. Especially if it's against the race. Especially. <laughs> uh maybe i think the thing with the rays like with they, they do do a good job of putting their players in positions to succeed i think that the challenge is and this is one of the things where those of us who who watch from home who aren't in the dugout who aren't with the team who don't know the players i think struggle with is i think what you're saying is probably true for some players whether it's true for low, I don't know. But there are probably some players who the advantage you get from allowing them to like play every day and stay in rhythm and be regularly swinging the bat makes them enough better overall to justify the fact that they're bad against same-sided pitching. And there are other players who like, you know, was, a, was, a, was it Matt Stairs who used to pinch hit all the time? People talk about he could like fall out of bed and hit the ball and like, because he could just like slide into a game whenever he was needed and just slap a line drive somewhere. And hey, that's great. And some guys can do that. And if you have a guy who can do that, who doesn't need to be hitting in the game every day, who that isn't something that's necessarily important to them, then you put yourself in a decent spot to to platoon them and, and really maximize their value by avoiding the weak side. The thing with low is that even including this cold streak recently, he has a 119 WRC plus against lefties, 139 That's against right. He's like, he has a platoon split. But like, so so to me, I, I'm sort of with you. It's like Tries platooning him, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. And we'll see. Like, we'll see. The the Rays are like they're a smart team. They're gonna figure this out if it if they're better off playing him every day because that's the only way he stays sharp. I think they'll figure that out. I hope they'll figure that out. But Anyways, you had a, a couple other trades you made. Um, you moved, what was this? You moved $29 Eloy Jimenez for a $1 Nick Prado. I got to be honest, this one surprised me. Yeah, I I have too many Eloy shares, man. I just couldn't take it anymore. Like, uh, uh, For context, this is that league I'm selling in. A $29 Eloy, man, he's really going to have to light the world on fire to be a keeper. Um, and honestly, he, he could. He, he's gone through stretches before where he's looked amazing. But the Eloy experience has just not been great. I wasn't getting any bites for him. I do kind of like Nick Prado. I mean, it was limited um, batted balls last year, but he had a he had a barrel rate of almost 13% this year. He's hovering right around 10%. Again, the strikeout rate's bad, but it's improved. The walkout, the walk rate is excellent. Um, I don't know. Expected Woba 343. Like he's not somebody who 
I'm willing to write off just yet, especially in such a limited sample. He was a guy who was a top, like what, 50 prospect or so. I remember back when people thought he was going to get the call before Vinny Pasquantino. Like that was a, that was a real conversation that was happening. So um, for $1, I'm fine. I think he's going to, he's going to get a ton of play time. Now we're going to see what Nick Prado has the rest of the season. So I'll have a more interesting decision to make rather than just cutting Eloy Jimenez. Yeah, I mean, I think the the question here is not should you have traded Eloy Jimenez because I think yeah you weren't going to keep him at thirty bucks. I get it; he was a trade. Um, I'm I'm a little surprised that Prado was the best you could do, and I'm just thinking like I so I just traded to acquire Jimenez in a league where I need power. So League One, my team's been pretty good. I'm still sitting in like fifth place. I need to find my way back into the chase. And one of the things that I need is is some pop. And I acquired a $23 Eloy Jimenez, who now you're starting to move into like, maybe he is a keeper at $25. If he really turns things on for the second half. And I gave up an $11 Jesus Lazardo. Yeah. And so I, I think like, I saw like I saw your trade for Prado and I was like, man, could I have gotten Eloy for like something more like Prado that like and, and maybe I'm maybe I'm overstating what Luzardo is, but to me he's a lot more interesting than Prado, but maybe that's wrong. Um no, I don't I don't think that's wrong. I if I had the choice, I'd rather an eleven dollar Jesus Lazardo, but you're you're paying on both ends, right? Like Prado being a dollar means he's worth more than obviously an $11 Nick Prado and uh, Eloy, the difference, especially for that Eloy, the difference between 23 and 29 is huge, right? He's a, he's an over $30 yeah. player. You got to draw the line somewhere. Um, whereas I think he, at 25 bucks, if he has a big second half, I think he is a keeper. So I think that matters. Um, but even in the end, I still think the $11 Lazardo is a better return than the $1 Prado. I just, I don't know. I like Nick Prado WRC plus this year is 123. So, I mean, strikeout rate be damned. The dude is uh, doing okay for his first. He has roughly 260 total MLB plate appearances. So, I, I don't know. I find him interesting. All right. Well, with that, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we got a couple more trades we can talk through pretty quickly. And then we're going to move on to some, some other stuff. We'll be right back. Fads come and go. And nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, welcome back. Said so we had a couple more trades, and this one, League Thirteen, the the Fangraph Staff League that we're both in. This one, 
there's a lot of stuff going on with this one. Let me, why don't you talk a little bit about what happened with this trade and where you are with it? Sure. So uh, in League 13, I'm fighting hard to contend. As a reminder, uh, at the beginning of the season after auction time, I was disappointed because I left so much money on the table um, for a team that I, I really wanted to, to win with. Um, and I, I've just been losing pitcher after pitcher after pitcher. Uh, it started with Lodolo, Chris Sale. Um, I can't even remember the other guys that I have on on the IL. I know I just lost Edward Cabrera. So I needed to needed to make a move. I wanted to fill up my starts of the week. So I said, why don't I target the consensus number one starting pitcher in baseball before the season started, Corbin Burns. Uh, and that has not been great tonight. Uh, anyway, I traded a $3 um, Ezekiel Tovar, $8 Nick Lodolo, and $3 Jordan Westberg. So that's a, that's a pretty substantial haul. Um, to get a $34 Corbin Burns, where if he pitches like, I mean, maybe you feel differently because it is a pitcher. If he pitches like Corbin Burns should pitch in the second half, I think at $34, he could still be a keeper. Um, a $4 Alex Wood and a $12, obviously very overpriced Andrew Benintendi. And again, just so folks are aware, like a loan covered all of that. So I'm still, I'm still even my, my available money did not change after this trade so i paid a heavy price to get corbin burns thinking that's fine uh, like lodolo i don't think he has a timeline yet um baltimore's hitting again so maybe westberg's not going to come up as soon as i thought i had to give up ezekiel tovar which does hurt but i have a lot of short stops in this league i obviously trey turner i've got had oswald peraza at the beginning of the season i don't know what happened there i must have cut him before he got really hot but i still have royce lewis i still have zach nito so um netto nito netto um, so I'm not hurting at shortstop. I could afford to lose him. And obviously I could afford to lose those other two pieces. I just need Corbin Burns to pitch like an ace again. And he is not doing that tonight. No. So, so Burns tonight, um, again, by the time you listen to this, it'll be two days later. So you'll probably already know this, but, uh, the, the Diamondbacks just, uh, they, they got to him. We'll say three strikeouts, two walks in five innings, seven runs on eight hits. All the runs were earned. He only gave up one home run, which since this is a, a Fangraphs points head-to-head league you picked him up in, at least he only gave up one home run, I guess. Like, Thank God. Eh, if, if you want to look on the bright side. Um, he did give up that home run to Alec Thomas, who like just got back. So it's also like oh, sometimes I look at who you, who you gave up home runs to, and it's like, you know, if Corbin Carroll takes you deep, it's like, eh, that happens. But you're getting hit around as much as he was in this game, and you give up a home run to a guy who really – hasn't done much although he was he's been really good in hey, the minors. Man, he's he's hot I, he's hot we, we will we will talk about him later we will talk about him later for sure um i i think that's i don't know the whole the whole burn situation is weird and i i just don't have a real good sense of just what's gonna what's gonna turn around for him because like the strikeouts are are way down I mean, way down, right? He he was striking out 35, 36% of guys a couple of years ago. It was down to 30.5% last year. It is it 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 was at 24.3% going into Monday's game, and it will be worse than that now. He also was, you know, he had that start, was it the start of the 2021 season when he didn't walk anybody for like two months or something crazy like that? Like he keeps the walks down. Walks are up. They're way up. They're at 8.5% after being at 5.2 and 6.4% the last two years. Like it's just, I don't. It's he's he's not hitting his spots. He's walking too many guys. He's not striking people out. 
I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure how you like resolve all that. Now, I think maybe the the good thing here is like he still has what like a well, I guess after today it's gonna be ugly, but going into today, he's still had sort of a mid threes ERA. After today, it's a high threes ERA. It's all the way up to three point. Go ahead. His ERA went from three point four four to three point nine six with this one start. Yikes. Um, but it's just like he no longer like his no lump numbers no longer look like that good a pitcher. It's not like he's just getting bad luck. It's not you know. It's not that guys are getting on base and he can't strand them. It's not. It's not BAPIP influenced really. He has a two forty two BAPIP this year. I mean, if you look, like, if his strikeouts and walks don't get better, his BAPIP is going to regress in a bad way for him, and things are going to get worse. So I, I'm just, I don't know. I, I don't have a real good sense of what the problem is, and that's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the velocity's down a tick. Um, and if you remember, we we talked about this when, uh, I can't remember what the context was, but I gave you Corbin Burns' last like 20 starts dating back to last season, and the ERA was mm-hmm. up around four with an unimpressive K per nine. Um, so, again, it's it's a hard thing to pinpoint. And then when we think like we're finally ready to say like, all right, this guy must be injured or something, he'll give a really nice start. Um, but, I mean, this is kind of the state of pitching. A few weeks ago, we were thinking Spencer Strider is the best pitcher in baseball. Now, he's another guy whose ERA is up around four. Um, if you don't have like Shane McClanahan or Shane McClanahan, then like, this is just, this is just kind of what you're dealing with. Um, so I, I had to pick somebody I'm going with Corbin Burns. I, I hope, you know, he turns it around here in the second half, but you're right. It, the, the tough part is what the heck is going wrong. The pitch mix isn't all that different. The velocity's down a tick, but not that much. I, I don't know what's going on, but, uh, hoping we get a bounce back here. So this is a this is an interesting moment to transition to to a different topic that that we're going to cover today, and that topic is that we have a we have a new sponsor, not just for our show, but across the Pitcherlist Podcast Network. Um, they're sponsoring a handful of shows. It's Underdog Fantasy, and they've got this seventh inning stretch tournament that they've set up. You can you can build a team through a draft and compete against friends. There's a $30,000 grand prize. There's like $150,000 in total prizes here. So it's a good chunk of change on the line here. Uh, it's also, it is a it is a draft and hold, best ball, 20 round. Like you draft your team, you don't have to think about it. And it's called the seventh inning stretch because it's the second half of the season. It's sort of your break in the season at the all-star break. And then you get a chance to sort of start fresh, which is sometimes nice, right? I, I know some of my teams, I'm not looking to start fresh. I'm very happy. Some of my teams like, I wouldn't mind going back and, and starting over. So I'm sort of exciting for the excited for this concept. Uh, the 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 tournament itself, the competition itself, has four rounds of competition, twenty round draft, but four rounds of competition where winner winning teams, top teams will advance. Um, each has its own player groups. So there's gonna be like twelve team groups in round one. So and you're you know you're, you're gonna do a twelve team draft in round one. The final round, there will be 134 teams remaining, and they will just all be fighting it out for that grand prize. It means it's going to get more and more intense as the competition goes on. If you are interested in checking this out, 
You can use the code PitcherList when you make a deposit and you'll receive a 100% match on your deposit up to $100. So you can get put in 100, end up with 200. And th- this thing, I mean, this costs, what is it? It's seven bucks, right? It's like, it's, a, it's pretty cheap to get in, which I think is, is pretty fun. And you, you can therefore also make multiple entries, I believe. Let's think about this. Yeah, you can make multiple entries if you want. And it is, yeah, $7. Nice, nice low price. If you if you put in that hundred dollar deposit and get the hundred percent match on that, you can make lots of entries in this for this seven dollar thing. Um, yeah, this this thing gets going right after the All Star break, so you can you can sign up now and do your draft. You can sign up a little closer to the All Star break. I think the last drafts are like during the All Star break, or like you have to be in before the first games after the All Star break, or something like that. Pete, the reason I mentioned that this was sort of a good moment to transition to this is you were like, Oh, if Corbin Burns pitches well in the second half, like we expect him to 12 team drafts before the season, Corbin Burns was like Burns or Cole. Like, I mean, these were the, this was the, the top of the draft board for pitchers. Is he in your top top five for this competition? Is he in your top 10 like for a second half draft like this? How high up would you take him? Top 10. Probably um, top five. No, no. Um, I, I'm looking at guys who are already performing well. Your McClanahan's, your Kevin Gossman's. Um, I think an interesting player could be Carlos Rodon, who uh, should be should maybe get one start in at least before the second half of the season, and he'll be fresh. Uh, and he was a guy who, when we thought he was healthy, he he was a borderline top five guy. Yeah. He's, 100% healthy, just coming in, kicking butt. Um, Carlos Rodon is definitely a target for me. But Corbin Burns kind of put a pin, put the cherry on top in our conversation there. No, no. He's a guy I'm buying in Ot New because I, I'm limited in my options and I, I need some upside here because uh, I messed up in the auction. But if I can start fresh, I'm not going with a guy who's struggling this bad. Yeah, I mean, I do think you get this interesting question of like, at what point does he become a good buy low in a draft like that, right? I'm looking at sort of, Pitchers who are performing well so far this year, it's like I'm not taking him before Shane McClanahan. That's a, that's a given. I'm not taking him before Framber Valdez. Uh, but other like Zach Gallen, I would take Gallen first at this point. Garrett Cole, I would certainly take first. Kershaw, I would certainly take first. Gaussman, Joe Ryan, I'd probably take Joe Ryan first at this point. Other guys who have been performing well though, like Nathan Uvaldi, Marcus Stroman. Tyler Wells, Merrill Kelly. How does Burns fit in with someone like that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not taking any of those guys before I take Corbin Burns. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not ready to do that. If somebody offered you in a redraft league, uh, let's take the best of that group, Nate Evaldi, for your Corbin Burns. Are you taking that trade? Probably not. Um, yeah. but I'm, I, I've never been a big Nate Yavaldi fan. I'm not even sure I consider him the best of that group. So that, that's a whole but different thing, but Tyler like, Wells, Merrill Kelly, yeah. any of no, them. I, I, right. I don't think it changed anything. And I do think the other thing to keep in mind with a competition like this, this seventh inning stretch thing is, um, because it is best ball, you can afford to take some risks on a guy that's like a Burns if the price is right, because if he's terrible, he only hurts you in that you've used up whatever pick you've used up on him instead of picking someone else, right? In a in a standard league where you are setting your lineups every week, 
you're going to put him in your lineup. And if he sucks, he sucks and he makes your numbers worse. In this, because it's best ball, they go back at the end of the week and they're like, okay, these are the pitchers who pitched well and these are the ones who didn't. And so this is what your lineup's going to be. Like, If he sucks, he just doesn't count. So I, I do think... You know, for me in a draft like this, like I'm going to be pretty risk seeking. I'm going to take some some gambles on guys where the upside is high, because if like the downside just you can't get hurt that badly. The only thing you lose is the draft pick. You don't also later hurt your stats. So right. from that perspective, I think it's sort of interesting. Um, we do have a a disclaimer about this that we have to read, which is that you have to be 18 or over to play 21 plus in Massachusetts or Arizona, 19 plus in Alabama and Nebraska. You also have to be present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms will apply. Concerned with your play, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, you can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP which is 1-800-639-8783 or text NEXT-STEP to 53342. In New York, call the 24-7 HOPE line at 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, which is 467-369. Tennessee, you can call or text the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789. With that, let's take another quick break and we'll come back to talk about some of those players who are being dropped and might be interesting. All right, welcome back. We are going to dive into, as we said at the beginning, some players who are potentially being cut in leagues. And what we're using as our, our cutoff for this is that they have been dropped sometime in the last 30 days in at least a quarter of auto new leagues. So explain, let's try to try to make that more, more clear in since let's see today is June 19th since May 20th, I guess was 30 days ago since May 20th, at least 25% of leagues have had, had at least one manager drop this player. Now I say at least one manager, because in theory, if like, if I cut a guy and then Pete picks him up and then Pete cuts him two days later, that doesn't count as two cuts for this, right? So this is saying across all leagues, 25% of leagues, this player has been a free agent at some point in that league, right? They, they've been cut in at some point. So give you some examples of guys who have been cut the most over the last 30 days, just before we dive into the guys that we're sort of interested in. Jacob deGrom has been cut in 75.64% of leagues in the last 30 days. Jesse Winker, 61.22%. Lance McCullers Jr., 59.29%. Will Myers, 51.6%. Mitch Haniger also 51.6%. Those that's it. Those are the six players who have been dropped or five players who have been dropped in 50% or more of auto new leagues in the last 30 days. Before we dive into this list, is there anyone on that list you're like, "Oh, they were cut. I'm going to go pick them up." Uh, the names you just mentioned? No, not really. What about Haniger? Is is I mean, is he I mean, his, you know, he's hurt because he's always hurt. And I think the injury, the, the report a couple of days ago was 10 weeks, right? So if we're looking at, you know, mid-June now, during the rest of June, all of July and basically all of August, you're going to get, you, you'll get the month of September out of him and maybe a week in August, something like that. Are you just like, nah, no value there? Uh, I guess the one 
way in which I'd have interest is if my outfield is already pretty thin, which might be the case for a lot of new managers. And you're looking and you're thinking like, I don't know if this is something I'm going to be able to address at the deadline, but at some point there will be light at the end of the tunnel where I will get a reasonable power bat back in September then sure, but I better not need that money at all because if you do, yeah. even if he's like $4, that could be, if, if you have three, nine, 396 spent, you only have $4 to spend. Um, I'm, I'm not using that on Mitch Hanniger. So uh, it's really unique circumstances there. Yeah. And I think the, the, the one thing I will note with him is a 10 week timeline is about 70 days, which is more than 60 days, which is important in auto new because there is a good chance that at some point the Giants will need a spot on their 40 man. And when they do, moving Hanniger to the 60 day should be a no brainer for them. I think, and when that happens, then if you have the cash, he only costs you cash, he doesn't use it for roster spot. I think the challenge becomes he's had a history of slow returns from injuries. So you hear 10 weeks with him, and you got to wonder if it's maybe more like 12. And he's run sort of hot and cold. Like he's had some great stretches over the last year or two, but like he's had some really bad ones. And so you do run the risk of like he gets placed on the 60 day next week and then you pick him up and you sit there with him on a 60 day eating up, you know, his his minimum bid. He's been caught in four of my seven leagues. His minimum bid in those leagues is six, five, seven and twelve dollars at twelve dollars. I'm probably not touching him, but like those other ones, you're looking at about a six dollar spend for 10 to 12 weeks. And then if he comes back and he's like cold instead of hot, then you you get nothing, right? And so I, I, I'm a, I'm I'm with you. I think I'm probably just staying away. I don't think he's he's super exciting in in other formats. Like I can't think of any other format where I'd be picking him up right now because the sixty day thing makes a huge difference. I don't have enough IL spots in any of my leagues to just stash everybody. And he's not at the top of my list of guys I would stash. So let's look at some of the others. We had a couple of names we mentioned earlier in the show that we said we would come back to. One of those names, Alec Thomas, didn't quite make the cutoff. He was cut in 23.72% of leagues. But I, I, I'm i going to make an exception. We're going to get him in and talk about him. <laughs> because not only did he homer today, but like he's, you know, He's looking like a really interesting post-hype guy to me. Yeah, he is. Uh, he, I thought he was kind of that at the start of the year, even though he was one of the players I was really hard on. Totally agree. Because he he showed zero signs of anything last year. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, speed, fine. Um, but everything was right into the ground. There, there was not great exit velocity. It, it, he was... He looked like a disaster, um, but he was a very hot. This is a very highly rated prospect. I mean, this guy was like top 10 on some list. This is not like a this is not like Nick Prado, who is who I, I mentioned as like a top 50 player. Like Alec Thomas has serious, serious upside as a, as a power speed combo. So we're not that far removed from like, what do you do with Corbin Carroll? Because Alec Thomas is in his way. Yeah, right. Sure. I mean, that was that was a legitimate thing. People were worried about 12 months ago, 18 months ago, something like that. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's a surprise that Arizona dealt an outfielder. We can call Dalton Varsho an outfielder at this point because I, I think they think they have such great depth coming uh, in in guys like Alec Thomas and obviously Corbin Carroll, who like we talked about as an MVP candidate. Um, but I put him on my list, and clearly I cheated because three of my five names were like in that twenty three percent range. 
uh, because when he was sent down, he was told to ditch this big leg kick he had in his swing. Um, and when he did, all of a sudden the results granted at, at Arizona's AAA, which is basically like T-ball. Um, but the results did show like a 350 average, three homers in this amount of time. So he got the promotion. And tonight against um, Corbin Burns, of, of all players, <laughs> to circle all the way around here, uh, he hit a home run. He was two for two in his first two plate appearances. Um, so Alec Thomas is a guy who has all the pedigree. He's still super young. He's a guy who could be 100th percentile sprint speed. Um, and if he has fixed something here with this leg kick, you know, the slight adjustments with young players, we're seeing it with Jaron Duran. Jaron Duran, fifth in the American League in doubles, three for three with three doubles tonight. He made an adjustment before the season. The results are starting to show. Alec Thomas made an adjustment midseason and we're one for one in good games for Alec Thomas since his promotion. So he's a guy I'm definitely uh, targeting in hot new leagues. He's, he's too talented to not spend a dollar or two on. Yeah, I actually like I, I like him a little better outside. Well, I should say outside of our new. I like him better in five by five formats and other formats because I think he's the kind of guy who like. For sure. 15 to 20 home runs, 10 to 15 steals and a high average. And those are those are things like the home runs matter, but like the steals don't really play up in auto new. The average doesn't matter as much as on base percentage. And he does walk a decent amount. So he, he should still carry a good on base percentage. But I, I, I sort of think I think he may be better in five by five than he is elsewhere. My my concerns are if you look at what he did in AAA this year, which again, the, the results have been great. They look so much like his results last year in AAA. <laughs> um, he had a 407 Woba this year in AAA. He had a 402 Woba last year in AAA. His strikeout rate in AAA last year was 13.7%. It went up to 15.6% this year. That's not a, that's not a thing I'm worried about, but it's, it's just similar. It's not an improvement. His walk rate was 10.7% last year. It's 9.4% this year. Again, not something I'm worried about, but it's not an improvement. His home run per fly ball rate was 19% last year. It is 13.6% this year. His fly ball rate, to your point about the launch angle issues last year, and launch angle was an issue for him last year. His fly ball rate in AAA last year was 22.6%, is 23.9% this year. His line drive rate in AAA last year was 21.5%. It is 21.7% this year, which means that his ground ball rate has also not moved. Right, So he is statistically in terms of the outputs, the same hitter in AAA this year that he was last year. Now, that doesn't mean that he's also going to be the same hitter in the, in the majors as he was last year, right? Like he had a 263 bat pip in the majors last year. He's had a 235 bat pip in the majors this year. I don't believe he's a low bat pip hitter. I think like if you look at his projections, his projections are like 294, 299, 304, 315, 318, like in that range. I think if anything, he's going to be a higher than that BAPIP guy. Like he's just, he keeps the ball in, he puts the ball in play. He runs, as you said, very fast. He should be a guy who hits a lot of line drives and a lot of ground balls, and that should keep his BAPIP high. So I think he's going to be better than he was. Like I just think naturally he'll be better than he was last year or than he's been in his career in the majors so far but I haven't seen anything to suggest he's made a big adjustment that's going to lead to a power breakout. And I, I, I think outside of those five by five leagues, that, that lacking power breakout is, is concerning for me. Yeah, that's fair. I, I'd be curious to see what the, what the leg kick does. We've seen players who, if they can hit the ball hard, we can see them eventually hitting for actual power. So I'm hoping 
that Alec Thomas will grow into a little bit of that power. I don't think that would be that uncommon or unforeseen. Yeah, that that's totally true. And that, and that, but I think I think what I, what I'm sort of seeing is just I haven't seen anything in what he did last year or this year so far that says to me like he's made a change. I think he's a better player than he showed last year, and therefore I think he will play better. So I still think he's worth a gamble. I, I really like that choice. Another guy on your list, this guy. This guy, in fact, did make the 25% cutoff. He's been cut in 27.88% of leagues in the last 30 days. And uh, in in full disclosure, uh, I've cut him, I think, in at least two leagues in the last 30 days. If I'm looking here, I, I had him in the podcaster league, and I cut him on June 6th, which was 13 days ago. I also had him, let's see, where else did I have him? Uh, I had him in our listener league and I cut him on June 3rd. Maybe he's been cutting 25% of leagues and it's only me. Maybe I'm the only one who's cut him. It's just, uh, no, he's been cutting that, that league. He was cut, but I don't have him. And then did I cut him in this league? No. So he's been cutting four of my seven leagues and two of them I'm I'm responsible for cutting him. And then he went out yesterday and struck out 16. Is that right? Lance Lynn. Right. So Lance Lynn been cutting more than a quarter of leagues. And yeah, yesterday, again, that was Sunday against Seattle, seven innings. He did give up three runs on four hits. So not like not a great ERA, but obviously a very good whip with four hits and two walks. But he struck out 16 hitters, 16 hitters in those seven innings. I believe I read that that's the most for any pitcher in a start this year. It has to be. I don't, I don't even know if anybody's hit 15. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Lance Lynn is, it got to the point where many smart analysts who I like were telling everybody like, wait on Lance Lynn, wait on Lance Lynn. It, everything still looks, everything still looks the same, not better, but it looks the same. Like he should be better than this. And even those analysts were eventually like, look, I, I can't keep telling you to wait. Like it's, it, I guess it's time. That Maybe was, Lance that was me. I was super in on him before the season and I waited and I waited and I waited literally until like a week and a half, two weeks ago. And then finally was like, forget it. Yeah. And I mean, if you look like he had had a, a run, he had three straight starts against yeah. terrible offenses. And I think that's why be, I think that's kind, why people were ready to give up. <laughs> I, yeah. Okay. Against yeah. two he, terrible offenses and no, Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he, he completely shut down. Uh, the Guardians, seven strikeouts, one earned run. Oh, they gave up three runs total, but one earned run on seven hits over seven innings. Then he got Kansas City, six innings, six strikeouts, two runs and four hits. Then he got Detroit and went six innings, one run on three hits, but he did he had five strikeouts. And so that game, that was where it started to go wrong because he had five strikeouts and five walks against Detroit. And he gave up three runs in six innings, despite the fact that only one of them was earned. And I looked at that one and was like, you know, I really felt like he was turning a corner with these last two starts, but this is a little scary. And then his next start was, was May 31st and he got lit up by the angels and then he got lit up by the Yankees. And that, and like you go through those between those two starts are where I made my two cuts. And I felt very vindicated because then he got lit up by the Dodgers. But of course it's the Dodgers. Everybody gets lit up by the Dodgers. Um, And now, you know, it's this, this start against Seattle is weird because the 16 strikeouts are great. The rest of it's only sort of okay. 
Well, the big thing that should stick out is before this start, he'd given up five home runs in 14 innings. Now, granted, two of them were to Otani and one of them was to Trout, which is why I wasn't ready to jump ship after that Angels start. But then, I mean, he's given up like a grand slam to Willie Calhoun. He got absolutely nuked in the it was, first It was inning. six home runs, six home runs in 14 innings. Yeah, so that that's just six, not, not not five. <laughs> that's just not going to cut it. But then against the right. against Seattle, no home runs. That sticks out. But the walks still two walks in seven innings. I it, so it bad, sounds yeah. nitpicky, but I mean, if we just go look at his last five starts by walks, two walks, two walks, three walks, two walks, five walks. They have been a problem this year. His walk rate has more than doubled, which is going to kill him because he gives up too many. He's so fastball driven that. If he's going to give up walks and then he's going to give up home runs, those are not going to be solo shots. And if you're going to be a fly ball pitcher, you need your home runs to be solo shots. So I am I put him on my list, though, because Otnu's too deep and, and pitching has just been such a weird disaster this year that if there's something here, you got to go get him. The ERA estimators would suggest he's been better than how he has performed. If you look at the usual stuff like when you think as a pitcher just been unlucky, well, what are you going to look at? You're going to look at the strand rate and you're going to see he's almost 10 percentage points, 13 percentage points below his career average strand rate. You'll look at the home run to fly ball rate. It is exorbitant. He's got a 20.2 percent home run to fly ball rate this year. The highest he had posted for his career was in 2017 when that was at 14.2. So if those numbers begin to normalize, his BABIP up at 342, he's a career 300 BABIP guy. If those begin to regress in the direction of his career averages, he's just simply going to be better. He can't continue to be this bad. But he has to, he has to, has to, has to stop walking, guys. Um, so the fact that he still walked two in this start, that's what sticks out to me. It's not the 300 runs, fine, whatever. The two walks, though, uh, he needs to stop walking players. Yeah, I, I will say I, I think in in the leagues where I cut him, both of them, I believe someone has already started auctions to pick him up. Now, you're in both those leagues, so maybe you're the one who started those auctions. But between two leagues, that's going to clear $9 of cap penalties for me. And that's my biggest takeaway from that 16 strikeout start for Lynn was like, hey, people are going to clear my cap penalties for me now because <laughs> I just... I don't, I don't, I'm not buying it yet. Um, I think you're right though, that if I look at leagues where he's available, like he is available in the food and travel league, that food and travel league, he is up for auction at a $4 minimum bid. I only have $5 in cap space. I'd have to figure out what my cuts look like. But in that league, I have been fighting tooth and nail to stay in the top three And I am behind the pace to hit the 1,250 minimum inning count for pitching in a four by four league. So I have to get more innings going and I'm, I'm, I'll be fine. I'm not worried that I'm not going to hit that, but I am way behind in strikeouts. I am behind in I'm struggling a little bit in ERA and whip as well. And in a weird way, that's a good thing for me because I have so much ground to make up in strikeouts that I can just start throwing bad innings and it's not going to hurt my ERA and whip that much because they're already not that good. And I'll make up, I can make up five, six, seven points in strikeouts pretty quickly. And so I think in a league like that, I have to figure out if the cash makes sense. But as long as the cash makes sense, I'm pretty happy to pick up Lynn there. I'd be pretty happy to pick up Lynn in a league where 
to, to the other extreme, I'm way ahead of the innings pitch pace and my pitching is really good and I can afford to not start him. Because I'll tell you right now, if I were in it, like if I pick him up in this food and travel league, I'm pretty happy to start him next. I, I, you've got the Red Sox next. I'm happy to give him a shot there and see if he's really turned a corner because I could use the strikeouts and I could use the innings and that's fine. In a league where I'm stronger right now, I don't think I want to start him this weekend. And that's fair. I, I, I think when you're trying to play the categories like that and, and you're trying to pace out your innings, you have to be a little bit selective with the starts. And look, one of Lance Lynn's best starts this season was that start right before the Angels start where he then gave up three home runs in four innings and got absolutely new. So this isn't this is not an endorsement of like Lance Lynn's back. Roll him out there. Here we go. It's more a. If you are finding yourself in a situation similar to Chad, where you're like, I got to find innings somewhere. I like Lance Lynn more than another player I put on this list here, Alex Wood, who I think could also be a decent option to kind of fill in those innings to get you where you want to go. But if you are, you know, if you're behind an ERA and you're trying to catch up, recklessly deploying Lance Lynn just because he had one good start has already proven this year to be a bad decision. So right. get him back on your roster and and let him rattle off a couple of starts and then start deploying him and, and hope that you've gotten, you know, the Lance Lynn of the last couple seasons. Right. So I'm going to take a couple of names off of my list now, and I'm going to go through them both quickly because they're, they're sort of, in some ways, sort of the same kind of thing for me. And those guys are Oswaldo Cabrera and Jose Miranda. And the reason I say that they're the same kind of thing is like Cabrera last year was, was solid. He had a 322 Woba. And that's pretty good, especially for a guy who qualifies as a middle infielder, right? Like it's hard to get productive middle infield and Cabrera is eligible at second. He's eligible at third. He's eligible at outfield. Like that is a useful piece. He has not been good this year at all. However, his chase rate is down. His strikeout rate is down. His walk rate is also down. His BAPIP is way down. And like his hard hit rate is sort of the same. It's up a little bit, but it's basically the same. His barrel rate's down a bit. But like there's a lot of there's a lot of little things that are sort of pointing the right direction. There's some things pointing the wrong direction too. The barrel rate being down is not a not a great thing, obviously. But again, hard hit rates up, exit velocities up. Now, the concern might be, the concern is at some level that his ex-WOBA last year was already not good. He had, like I said, he had 322 WOBA. It was a 287 ex-WOBA. So like the batted ball data looking similar is not good enough, even with the improved strikeout rate. They've sent him down and I'm hopeful. Last time he got sent down, he got called right back up. I'm hopeful that they're going to send him down and like let him work some stuff out. And so to me, he's just like a stash gamble. I like what he's capable of. I think he'll do better. And the other guy who comes up for me is Jose Miranda. And and I say he's sort of the same because again, like his, his plate discipline versus last year, like he's striking out less. He is walking more. He is, his max EV is up. His hard hit rate is down, but it's not down a ton. Again, though, like Cabrera, his ex Woba last year was actually more concerning than his Woba. But I just think he's a better hitter than he's shown. Now, the concern with Miranda is different, and that is that he hasn't been particularly good since being demoted. And that is, to me, I'm starting to hit a point where, like, maybe I should just be giving up on him too. But then 
if I go back to the last, let's call it three weeks, basically, he's got a 134 WRC plus in AAA. So he's starting to show those signs again. I don't know what he has to do to get called back up. I don't know if he can do anything to get called back up at this point. Like it may take a little while, but like, I, I, I like these guys both too much to not be at least a little bit interested in stashing them, particularly Miranda. Yeah, I know you're you're big on Miranda. I I was too. I think you kind of hit it though at the end there. It's it's he's going to have to do a lot to get called back up. Not only because you know they, this is a reset for him. He he was not good as a major leaguer, but also you know the Twins are are kind of loaded now. Royce Lewis has been out of the lineup two games in a row against a lefty and a righty. I don't know if something's going on there. So maybe Miranda is due for a call up very soon. I mean, I guess our listeners would know before uh, we do here, but. That infield is nice, and Edouard Julien, since he got called up, he's been hitting. Uh, Royce Lewis has to play third because Carlos Correa is a shortstop. He's not going anywhere. Um, and even like Donovan Solano, I think the other day had like two home runs or something like that. So this team is is starting to kind of maybe finally hit the ball, even though the Red Sox mm-hmm. obliterated them tonight, and Miranda's going to have to earn a spot back. <laughs> yeah, I, and that that is for sure an issue. And, you know, Cabrera, I think, also, was going to have to earn his way back. The, the Yankees have not been great, but they also, like, they don't seem inclined to stop giving Volpe shots. Oswald Cabrera, uh, not Oswald Cabrera. It's the guy we were just talking about, Oswaldo Cabrera. We were just talking about Oswald Peraza is earning an opportunity and needs it soon. I, I'm just, so they, they've they've got some guys that need chances too. So, I yeah, it'll be, both of them are risky, I, I suppose. So, But that's why got, they're available and that's why they're right. potential good rebuild pieces i mean that they, they fit the bill well this this gets back to and we, we didn't talk about it at the beginning but the, the first note you made under player players being cut not a new that we like was no one this is why adam knew is so hard <laughs> they're smart managers and that's true there's just you know the smart managers plus the deep rosters means that like the person who had jose miranda to start the year has a pretty reasonable reason to just keep sitting on them because they don't necessarily need the roster spot or the cash. And if they do, they might have to make a move. But like, even with that, Cabrera and Miranda have been both cut in 49.36% of leagues. Like they are, they are out there or have been out there. They may have been picked up again by now, but they are out there for you. If you want them, another name that you put on your list that he's been cut in 28.21% of leagues and this has probably been true of him for every month of his career that he's being cut in a quarter of leagues and picked up in a quarter of leagues. But you're you're still going to try to hold on to Nick Senzel. You're you still believe in Nick Senzel. I will never give up on this guy. My heart sank into my stomach when I saw that he's 27 years old now. Um, so I'm not even going to bring up the fact, like uh, Alec Thomas, that this was once a top prospect because obviously we are well past that. Although. The majority of time of his major league career, he has spent hurt and he got hurt again recently. He, so he he started playing this year. Finally, like, I don't know, a month, month and a half in started hitting really well. And I know that because he was on a lot of my rosters. And that's not just because I love the guy, but I, because he was hitting and I, I wanted to add him. He has third base and outfield eligibility in multiple spots. That includes out new and fan tracks. Um, so he was he was an attractive ad. Then he got hurt again, but he just came back. And I believe he homered either tonight or last night. Um, and so that, that pedigree is always going to stick out to me. And, and before you say like, all right, you need to like drop the thing with Nick Senzel here. Cause he's not a prospect. So who cares? Fair. But I think he's, he's, he might kind of be selling out for, for power here. I don't know if he had some kind of conversation with Joey Votto or, or what's going on, but 
you look and all of a sudden the pull rate is the highest it's been since 2020. Um, the the fly ball rate is is uh, above league. He's hitting the ball in the air a lot. Um, it's slightly above league average. His launch angle is 17.1 degrees. So he's lifting it. He's pulling it. He's playing. This is a very athletic player. If he's on the field, which the Reds want him to be, uh, then I'm I'm going to have some interest again in leagues as deep as Ott New and in a player pool as limited as players dropped in over 25 percent of leagues over the last month. I mean, we are scraping the bottom of the barrel here, but uh, Nick Senzel stood out to me as somebody who I roster him in some Ott New leagues, and I will gladly go start an auction for him um, now that he's healthy. Yeah, I, I, I can't do it. <laughs> but I hear you. I, I, I like. I get the interest in him. I just do you. I do. I do. I understand. I mean, the the talent is legit, and he is. He's he's an interesting guy. If he can, he's a terrific fielder. I mean, he's special to watch. Yeah. No, that's true, and that'll keep him on the field. And the Reds do seem invested in him. I think the the concern is like at some point they like forget it. CES is coming. And, and yeah. that could happen. So the last guy I want to talk about from my list is Joey Weimer. And like Thomas, unlike Senzel, I will point out that Weimer was a, a really interesting prospect not that long ago. He came up this year. He wasn't up last year. Right? No, he came up this year. He he has struggled. It, it has not been a great season for him. He has a 300 Woba. He's striking out almost. Oh, no. Good news, he had a strikeout today and is now striking out exactly 30% of the time. I was going to say almost 30% because he was at 29.9% that is not coming good into news. play. <laughs> but he pushed it up to 30%. Way to go, Joey. You made it easy for me. He's striking out 30% of the time. Um, on This is this is a... the mo, uh, Among the more random reasons that I will take to look at a guy is when a fan of a team, especially a fan who I know to be sort of a smart fantasy manager, a smart baseball fan, fan of a team that this guy is on is starting to get interested. And so there's a guy on the auto new slack who uh, his, his handle is at blue shoes. And he's been talking about Weimer forever. He's been, a, he's been a fan. He was sort of getting down on him as the season went on. And on June 7th, he pointed out that Joey Weimer had a 110 WRC plus rest of season projection and then said, go check if he's available in your league. I think he's figuring it out. And I was like, huh, that's sort of interesting. It's like, this guy is, he's a knowledgeable guy. And so I went back and like, if you go back to, you know, let's go a couple weeks before that that comment, right? Give a give a little buffer for like, oh, he thought he was figuring out. Go to May 23rd, so two weeks before he made this comment. Since that time, Weimer's got a 123 WRC plus. That's pretty good. Um, he is now there it isn't all good. I, I like be very clear. He is striking out 34.5% of the time in that stretch. That's not a good thing. However, He's got a 91 average exit velocity over that stretch. He's hitting the ball hard. He has just a 286 BAPIP. So it's not like it's a, you know, this isn't just a BAPIP fueled hot streak, which does happen sometimes. His hard hit rate, 47.9%. His barrel rate over that stretch, which is now almost a month, 20.8%. So he is barreling 
everything over that stretch. Yes, his strikeout rate is still ugly. That is concerning. He is also walking 10.3% of the time, which does help. He has six home runs over that, you know, 87 plate appearances, which is great. There are lots of things. He's hitting the ball well. He's drawing walks. I would love to see those strikeouts come down. But now, instead of being a guy who's like been terrible, He's a 24-year-old getting his first shot who is still working on the strikeouts but is showing the pieces you wanted to see from him. And, and it's worth remembering, like, on fan graphs, his, his grades last year, there was a concern with his hit tool, or coming into this year, I should say, the concern with his hit tool, 30 hit tool, 35 future value on his hit, like, that is, that is not great. 70 raw power, 60 game power. This guy can hit the ball hard. And, you know, it's a little bit of a, a Joey Gallo-esque profile. Yeah, but, like, the good version of Joey Gallo is really good in Fangraph's points leagues. He's really good in OBP leagues, and he's a really good source of power if you can absorb a low average. And, and so that's sort of where I am with, with Weimer is, like, what he's done over the last month-ish, hitting six home runs, 231 average. Like, he's on, like, a... It's not a, it's, it's like a 45 home run pace or something like that. And I don't think he'll necessarily keep that up, but low average, a lot of power. He has stolen five bases over that time as well. So if you're in a five by five league, he's not just power. I'm really intrigued. I've picked him up at a couple places and he is like, he's still unrostered in almost 20% of leagues, 80.77% roster percentage. So one out of every five leagues, Weimer's out there for you to just pick up. And you're talking about picking up prospect pedigree that's delivering right now that, yeah, there's a concern there, right? I mean, you're not getting guys, like you're not picking up guys off the wire at this point in the season who are like just good. That's not a thing you're going to find. But a guy who's playing really well, whose concern is a strikeout rate that we always knew might be a problem and that he hopefully has the power to overcome. Either the power is enough to overcome it and it's fine. He finds ways to improve his strikeout rate, which would be great. Or you cut him in a little while and that's fine too. But I, I, I'm in I'm in on Weimer right now. Yeah, no, I like the pick. Um, I didn't want to include him in that Taj Gibson. Or, oh my God, here I go again with Taj Gibson. Taj Bradley. And Joey Weimer for um, Luis Castillo trade we mentioned earlier. See, I, I, I would like trade Weimer. Taj Taj Gibson for Luis Castillo would be a great trade for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really would be since Gibson's retired. Uh, that would be that would be a great trade. But no, I like. I mean, look, two two hundred thirty six plate appearances, and he's already ten homers, ten steals. So if we pace that out to five hundred fifty plate appearances, if he was able to stay in the lineup for a full season, which with the strikeout, maybe that's an unrealistic strikeout rate. Maybe that's unrealistic. But what's that? Twenty three, twenty three. I mean, that's an infinitely valuable player. The glove like Senzel's, who we just were talking about, will keep him in the lineup. I mean, he's a terrific fielder. And I go back to that barrel rate. I mean, you brought up the hot streak that he's on and how the barrel rate was over 20%, which is like Babe Ruth territory. Not that we know what Babe Ruth's barrel rate was. Um, but for the season, it's 12%. I mean, that's a that's an awesome, awesome barrel rate. So right. there's a lot to like here with, uh, with Joey Weimer. Yeah, totally agree. So with that, I think we've we've covered quite a few names. We went through all those guys with the trades earlier, all these guys who are available in league. So hopefully a good list of names that you can either you either could pick up via trade or pick up via free agency in your leagues and, and should be looking at. But we've also been going for well over an hour, and that's enough. So 
Uh, thank you for listening. I, we didn't do it earlier, so I'll remind you we are a proud member of the Pitchless Podcast Network. You can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts. Please leave us ratings and reviews. You can hit us up on Twitter at Keep or Cut. That's cut with a K. You can find Pete at Pete B Baseball. You can find me at Chad Young. And you can find us back here next Wednesday. We hope you'll come back and listen to us again. <laughs>